It's that time again. I am Mitch Michaels, and this is my show, The Money Mitch Effect, a sports podcast. Today is the 10th episode in our series, and it is college football exclusive. We've got a pair of interviews on the way, two different looks at the action this Saturday, another week of college football. First up, it'll be Sean Sullivan, Sully, as we call him on this show, and as he's known in all walks of life, as we break down the ins and outs of what's happening on the field, some player personnel matchups for a big week of college football, if you're into that sort of thing, like I am. And then Matt Gothard will join the show to break down the point spreads in each game to see who's favored, what looks a little peculiar to us, what looks like it's fair, and what looks like something that definitely will live up to the hype in that area, if you're into that sort of thing like I am, as well. First up, Sean Sullivan, Money Mitch Effect. Let's roll. Okay, joining us now on the line, Sean Sullivan on the Money Mitch Effect. Sean, thanks for coming by. Uh, no doubt about it. Thanks for having me, man. It was a fun time last time, and uh, it'll even be more fun this time talking about a, a big ball's win. Absolutely. Now, uh, yeah, a lot's changed uh, since your first appearance on this show. You know, this is, I think, mm-hmm. the 10th episode now. Uh, right. You know, we got, we got music, the listener base is growing, but what hasn't changed is your volunteers are uh, still undefeated. So, and, no doubt and about want, it. And I wanted to talk to you about that game, regardless of what the outcome was before I, my goal was to get you on the show. I uh, wasn't mm-hmm. sure what version of you I would get, and uh, up until <laughs> about midway through the third quarter, I think there was some real worry, but it was a very impressive comeback, a very impressive win, and I'm sure the emotions were running wild as you were watching that game yourself. Oh, yeah, no doubt about it. Down 21 against your arch rivals, uh, who's lost to 11 straight years. That was a pretty dark place to be in for uh, Tennessee fans, but... Oh man, what a different team! Talk about a tail two halves. I don't think I've I've seen in a in a very long time. Uh, two two different teams come out that way. Um, it, it, and you got to give Tennessee credit on the defensive and offensive side of the ball. Uh, they went into the halftime, made their adjustments, and completely shut down Florida. And then Josh Dobbs woke up. Um, I think that's the Tennessee team that everybody was expecting coming into the season. Now, uh, the big question is, uh, are we going to see that for four quarters? And if you do, the nation's on on, uh, on on watch. Oh, for sure. And, you know, there's a lot to get into about a game as dramatic as the Florida-Tennessee 2016 edition. Yeah. Uh, the, first, the first thing I wanted to talk to you about was a lot of times you see these comebacks and you're not really sure, you know, at the time you're just caught up in the moment of how did mm-hmm. the team come back. Watching the game originally – Florida was the beneficiary, not to take much away from their start early, but they mm-hmm. were capitalizing off of some very poor play from your volunteers early uh, and some missed opportunities by Tennessee's offense. I think, as somebody on the outside watching it, Tennessee started their comeback by just cleaning up that area, cleaning up the turnovers and right. not giving away points or failing to take advantage of three points. Oh, yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, there's um, there's, there's there's no doubt about about the fact that Tennessee was had plenty of opportunities uh, in the in that first half, um, and they just couldn't they couldn't capitalize. Made some poor decisions um, in the red zone, and and it, 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 they couldn't they couldn't punch it in. Uh, you, you you have three trips in the red zone and come away with three points. That's never good. Um, but yeah, you're right. They cleaned it up in the second half, made some adjustments, and Josh Dobbs. Uh, wow, I mean, 
stood in the pocket. I think three of his uh, his three passing touchdowns in, in in the second half, or three of them, uh, he was hit on the play. He stood tall, threw uh, into pressure, and, and made and made plays when they they needed him most. So uh, that was that was a very impressive performance by uh, by the senior quarterback. So you know, I'm glad you brought up Dobbs, Sully, as we as we continue to break down this Tennessee win on the Money Mitch effect. How do we feel about him as a uh, as a uh, four quarter quarterback? Now I, I'm very impressed personally with his resolve, the resiliency factor, his mm-hmm. ability to get better as the game brings as the game wears on. But I right. do think that there are some areas of his game he needs to clean up, and we're we're seeing a couple of slow starts that I, and so inconsistent play would be the best way to put it through a couple mm-hmm. of these early. Yeah, it's almost like you need to put him under pressure. You need to you need to get the team down before he starts really playing. And I think it's kind of the whole team, uh, to be honest with you. Slow starts uh, can work against a, a Virginia Tech or a Florida or Happy State, but it's not going to work these next few weeks. Maybe you could start slow against Georgia and pull it out. Uh, but you, you go up against A and M, a fast fast uh, offense like that, they're gonna, they're not going to let you back up or or a Bama. So uh, they need to they need to clear that up quick. But a way to do that is. Get Josh Jobs going early. I think uh, they recognize it in the second half. You got to get him on the run, uh, move the pocket, and that's that's somehow he's better when he's got a guy in his face or he's running. Um, so <laughs> I think you either let a blitzer come in and, and he'll throw into the blitz, or, or you got to get him on the run because it, it's 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 a definitely a tale of two halves for that guy. Right, and um, I think you touched on it. It's you're playing with fire. You can you Tennessee right. has a good enough team where they can overcome this. Sometimes, but no team mm-hmm. in the country is good enough to overcome slow starts every single week. But no. again, a great, a great win for Tennessee. We mentioned last week on the show when I had Rob Crowder that it was a matter of getting to the Florida quarterback Appleby and you know the backup thrust into the new role right. for Del Rio. Finally, took a couple quarters, but they got in his face and, and he looked shell shocked as the game wore on. But this was 11 years in the making. So as a Tennessee fan, what was it like to finally? get that monkey off your back and beat four. Oh, it was that. emotional. It was emotional. Um, yeah, it was, it was very, very emotional. Uh, that's, that's just the first word that comes to mind because it's been a very, very painful 11 years, and I think this was uh, a game coming into the season that all Tennessee fans had circled, and this is the year. Uh, it was kind of a make-or-break game for Butch Jones and the Tennessee fan base. Um <laughs> And we, we were sick and tired of losing to him by, you know, one point the last two years. And, and it's, it, it was time. And it, 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 we've soaked it in this week, but it's time to move on. And we got Georgia at their place this week. So it's, there's not a whole lot of time to soak it up. And hopefully the team's not doing that either. Right. That SEC schedule is so tough. And the fact that you play Florida early in the year, there is no time to just coast after a win this big, regardless no. of who it's over. Uh, yeah. Sticking, yeah. Sticking in the SEC, Sully. Another team that caught my eye with an impressive win was Texas A&M when they did mm-hmm. when they pretty much dismantled uh, Arkansas 45-24 but having watched a lot of that game it wasn't really that close at least on the when Texas A&M had the football and I'll give you credit you were pretty bullish on this Aggies team early on is, yeah. is this a third contender for the playoff? Uh I think it is. Um you know they, the last two years they've they've the last year they started off 5 and 0 and they ended up wilting down the stretch but I think uh, this team's got some senior leadership on it with Miles Garrett and, and, and Trevor Knight as well on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, I think they they can definitely uh, contend. That a lot of people are picking them to be the, the biggest threat now that Ole Miss has kind of fallen off and, and LSU as well. 
in the West to Alabama. So um, I think I think they definitely can. Uh, it's, it's 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 they're a dangerous team when they when they're the offense is clicking um, because you know John Chavis is gonna have that defense dialed in. They're a very dangerous team, and in, and Arkansas that game was actually closer than the score scoreline really said. Um, Arkansas kind of wilted in the second half. They had the ball. They had they had the ball three times in the red zone and couldn't punch it in. Uh, pretty suspect play calling by Brett Bielema. If you have a big offensive line like they do and a big running back like they do, you don't run jet sweeps on the one yard line, you know. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I'd, I'd, but give credit to A and M. They definitely deserve that win. And uh, yeah, they're rolling. They're absolutely rolling. They have South Carolina uh, this week on the road, and then uh, first home game in over a month. I think for those guys will be my Tennessee Volunteers, and I'm. I'll be fortunate enough to go to that one. Super stoked. That, that's going to be a big game for SEC supremacy. Uh, mm-hmm. One quick thing on Texas A&M. Uh, yeah. Trevor's rushing ability, that very, very impressive. We knew he had the arm, but if he could run Busted. like that. Yeah, and I think that's a little bit uh, on Arkansas's defense. You can't you can't let a guy yeah. bust open for 50 yards on you like that. But uh, definitely when if, if, he's, if he's dialed in and – it seemed like he's starting to dial in like he was against uh, Alabama in the Sugar Bowl. Uh, they're going to be really, really tough to stop because he's got so many toys to play with on the outside. I, I think coming into the season, that was my favorite uh, wide receiver core in the nation, and they've shown nothing but uh, to, to back that up. Man, someone just finds these receivers. Josh Reynolds looks like the next one that yeah. could be in Mike Evans' mold. I'm, I'm very impressed you know, with what they've been able to do. I agree uh-huh. that I think defensively they need to clean up some things, but uh-huh. yeah, there's not a lot to dislike about this A&M team at this point in the season. No, not at all. Not at all. They're 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 one to watch. I want to go right into uh, to week. I guess well, I'm going to call it week four. I, I think technically we're on week five or six, but the fourth big week of games here. Um, uh-huh. We'll touch back on some other things that happened uh, while we proceed. But the first thing I want to talk about is the game. That's really you can't avoid this game. It's going to be the biggest uh, the biggest game of the week by far. Clemson, mm-hmm. Louisville, Sully, and and we've been waiting for this game ever since probably since the start of the season, but definitely since Louisville destroyed Florida State this yep. year. It's in Clemson. Louisville started out as an underdog, now has rose to a three point favorite in this game with the line mm-hmm. constantly moving. But I'll start with this. Clemson's a team that went to the title game last year. Is it possible, and it's hard to believe I'm actually saying this, but that the nation is sleeping on Clemson in this game? Uh, I think it's very possible. That team is very, very experienced, as you mentioned. Um, They they haven't played their best game yet. Deshaun Watson, you know, taking taking a lot of heat. He's owned, owned up to it, saying, you know, a lot of it falls on my shoulders. And, um, if that team ever wakes up, you know, and, and this is the week you got to do it, uh, they, I mean, they're they're going to they're going to be able to get it done. They have the talent to get it done, and uh, yeah, I think most people are going to be clip, uh, sipping on Louisville's Gatorade a little bit and uh, picking them in this game. But I'm I'm with Clemson on this one. Um, I think Louisville and uh, Jackson are is is a very exciting team. I think they're. I mean. Obviously, they can play with the big dogs after demolishing FSU. But uh, we were talking about move the sticks today with uh, Bucky Brooks. He said he picked Clemson with me. And uh, he had a story from his playing days when he was in North Carolina. They were both ranked, went into Death Valley. And uh, they were cocky as all get out to the point where Bucky was, you know how in Death Valley they run down the hill. The team started running down the hill, and Bucky was in the end zone like, 
come on, baby, telling him to come down the hill. <laughs> just just cocky as all get out, and they ended up slacking him. And I think this is going to be uh, be one of those instances, not not quite a blowout, but I think Clemson is going to surprise the people at its home. Uh, everybody's overlooking them. Dabo's going to be able to, to, to play that chip on their shoulder, and I think you're going to pull this one out. Right. Well, the first thing that stood out to me is that Clemson's an underdog in a night game at home. I mean, that, right. that, just, that sounds ridiculous. And and I get – and I, I'm going to hold off on making the pick just yet, but mm-hmm. the Louisville factor, I, I understand how good they are. I understand Lamar Jackson. And and mm-hmm. the reason why, if I, if I were a betting man, I would probably stay away from this game, Sully. I use mm-hmm. this metaphor. We're both, uh, we're both wrestling guys. Lamar Jackson right. is – equivalent to the uh when the NWO Wolfpack was together just causing mass destruction <laughs> everywhere. Yeah. You know what he's capable of. Right. You really if he has a bad game the team's gonna get destroyed, but how mm-hmm. good he can play, I don't know if he's ever reached his ceiling. So I give Louisville a definite chance to win this game. But Clemson is a team that has actually done it before on a national stage against great teams. I I'm leaning Clemson in this game because it's at home they have the experience. You give Dabo enough time to write the ship and figure out a weakness, I think he can do that. But defensively, actually both teams' defenses, that's what I'm looking forward to. Everyone's mm-hmm. forecasting a ton of points, but I don't know. I think Clemson could make the defensive adjustments to limit Lamar Jackson. I don't know if you've shared the same sentiment, but I yeah, think they can do yeah, I think, I think, I think I still think it's going to be a higher scoring game than average. But, uh, yeah, I, I think when, when a lot of the national spotlight uh, is on those offenses and the defenses are over saying, hey, we got some athletes too, um, you, you overlook a defense like that, that's even more of a chip over shoulder on those guys. And, and they're going to come out and, and, and try to try to take out one of the best. You know, that, that this was – you're looking at the preseason Heisman favorite and now the quarter full Heisman favorite playing each other at the quarterback position, and the defenses are, are going to want to shut them down and, and on a national stage. Uh, it's, it's, they're definitely going to be ready for this one. Yeah. Do you think if you're Clemson, do you think they make him throw? Do you think if you had uh, Yeah, I think you got to take away his legs. Right. You, you, look, you, look, you, look, you look at that run against FSU where he just juked out all 11 guys on the field and took it 55 yards or whatever. Uh, you, you see that run against uh, a very, very good defense that Florida State has. Um, you're you're, you're going to make him throw the ball. You're going to trust your secondary um, and, and hopefully be able to, to, to pin your ears back, uh, collapse the pocket around him, um, and, and not get – stay in your lanes, collapse it, kind of choke him out like a boa constrictor instead of, instead of giving him those large opening running lanes. That's what Syracuse has done. That's what, that's what FSU did. And that's a huge mistake against a guy that's just that electric. Right, and I know it sounds strange to make him pass when he's passed as well as he has. Yeah. When he's got 74 completions, Sully, 13 touchdowns. So basically one in five or one in six of his yeah. passes. I mean, he's, he's, he's been incredible, but uh, I think FSU um, lost, their, lost, lost their heart and soul on defense going into that game um, and, yeah. and on, on, in, in the secondary. Uh, so I, I kind of put an asterisk by that one, not to take anything away from him, but um, – you know, you, you lose you lose an All-American in the secondary. That's going to be tough. And one last note on this game. I think Clemson, Sully, is a team that I don't think anybody in the country wants to play as fast as Louisville. If Clemson mm-hmm. gets a couple stops, not that they'll play slow, 
but they can mix in the run game, the, the the air assault, and they don't have to try to play with the tempo that Louisville has, which is pretty much second to none right now in the country. Right, right. Speed, speed, speed. Yeah, you're right about that. Gates personally, they can they can uh, they can grind out the clock a little bit and keep the ball out of Lamar Jackson's hands, which is exactly what you want to do at this point. Yeah, it sounds like we're both in Clemson, but I, yeah. <laughs> you never with Lamar Jackson. I know that's crazy. It's crazy. Two people picking Clemson. I don't think that's uh, that's happened yet. No, uh, Wisconsin, Michigan, another game I want to uh, discuss. Wasn't expected to be as big of a game, and then Wisconsin just destroyed Michigan State last weekend in a game. I know that was... who saw that coming. If if no, if but Chris, I had, pretty, I had a pretty good week of picks, Sully, and I I went that was one. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. I'm with you. Um, I went eight and two last week, and I was one of them. Um, the 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 you got to give Wisconsin a lot of credit. They've gone through a gauntlet, and if they beat LSU, Michigan State, Michigan, to the first five weeks of the season, you got to give Chris. You got to give Chris the coach yeah. of the year award now. And then they're uh, a top team if they win this game, probably. Yeah, they're a top five team, and and then going into a home game against Ohio State next week, which you know will be will be just another huge, <laughs> huge uh, yeah. game in, in, in the in the national national spotlight. So. Uh, they can't overlook this Michigan team, obviously, um, and they're not. Uh, that's that's a, that's a huge game. They haven't played each other actually since 2010, which is weird. But ever since uh, Nebraska came in and they split up the divisions, they haven't played in a while. And uh, this this could definitely shake up the Big Ten real quick um, if, if if you know Michigan can fall and, and Wisconsin moves up to the top five, and you got a top five matchup next week. Well, one thing with Wisconsin, uh, Sully, and it reminded me a lot of, you know, Beamer Ball at Virginia Tech. I mean, mm-hmm. There's just something about having a really good special teams unit. Yeah. The, it it doesn't always show up on the stat sheet, but if you watch that game against Michigan State, not just the turnovers, how relentless they were on special teams, it right. makes a difference, and it could swing field position and propel your offense and defense to have success. Right. I was, you know, really impressed with how Wisconsin, the stuff that doesn't show up on the stat sheet, like special teams, they were able to succeed. Right, right. The one of Neyland's maxims, one of the seven maxims, is press the kicking game for there the breaks are made, and it's and it's so true. Uh, you 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 win the field position battle. You have a good punter. Uh, you could you could make you could uh, have a kicker that can make long kicks and and you know um, and flip the field on somebody as 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 well as have a good return game. That's going to be a huge. Huge plus for your offense and defense. Pen somebody deep or, or bust a long return to give you a short field. Um, yeah, I mean that's it, it's 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 a third of the third of the game, uh, and, it, and it's and it's huge for a reason. Yeah, and uh, going into this game especially against the Michigan team, who you know, they're they haven't really been tested. Top four mm-hmm. in the country, uh, double digit favorite at home over Wisconsin, who seemingly is a lot tougher than they were would have thought a week ago. Right. Is this a is this a statement game for Michigan to to properly assess how good they are? I think it, I think you're you're, you're uh, nailing the head there because Michigan, right? I mean they they haven't really played anybody. They were down by 17 against the Colorado team and obviously still won that by 17. Um, but yeah, they, they they haven't they have been dominant. They've taken care of business um, against everybody that they should have. But right, if they if they come out and win another win blow blow out a Wisconsin team that looked very impressive last week, um, I'll I'll uh, I'll buy into Michigan. Yeah, and the other thing is I'm really intrigued by how offensively they're able to move the ball on a, on a tough Wisconsin defense with mm-hmm. 
Spate and if Smith can run the ball well, if they're able to uh, get some rhythm on offense. I still have my doubts about this team being as good as advertised. I, I think they're uh-huh. a good team, and I expect them to win this game. But, I, you know, 10.5-point favorite, that seems a little high, at least for a scrappy Wisconsin right. No, I agree. I agree. And this could be, I think Wisconsin's far and away the best team in their division. And this could be a preview uh, of the Big Ten title game. You never know if if, if Ohio State uh, it drops a couple, you know, to Michigan or Wisconsin. So um, it, it's, it's, I'm, I'm excited for this one. I've, I've definitely, uh, it, it's a nice surprise because last week, I mean, it would have been a good game either way if they lost to Michigan State, but who expected that like we were talking about? I mean, this yeah. is a top ten matchup that that kind of is kind of surprising, but I'm I'm absolutely stoked for it. All right, and uh, we're gonna move out west here on the uh, money mystery. Mm-hmm. Well, we're west already, but we're gonna stay west in the Pac-12 with uh, Stanford yeah. and Washington. Probably the best game that's not getting uh, as much hype that you'll see. Uh, right. This two teams, the top two teams in the Pac-12, pretty much the predominant choices, one or the other being everyone's choice to win the Pac-12. Game's in Washington. Washington's a favorite. Stanford coming off of a late game win over UCLA. Do you give Washington the edge in this game because they're at home? Uh, And I asked you that question because they, like most teams, you know, at this point in the season, really haven't faced uh, a team like Stanford yet. Right. They're kind of like Michigan in that they've taken care of business. They've won by double digits, uh, and their offense looks impressive. Granted, it hasn't been against the best uh, competition, but um, the, I, I, you're right. That that home field competition in, at Washington is uh, pretty special there there on the on the sound. And um, yeah, it's it's going to be rocking night game Friday night national television. Uh, both teams are come out ready and swinging at each other, and I'm I'm stoked. This is basically the Pac-12 North Championship, um, which is essentially the Pac-12 Championship. <laughs> And yeah, yeah it, it's it's it, it comes down to can uh, Washington keep the purple rain going as they're calling it. Um, that that offense is absolutely nasty when they're going, uh, but they haven't seen a defense like Stanford yet. And uh, can you can you stop McCaffrey? You know that that's that's what everybody. <laughs> that's the great question when you're playing Stanford, and I think Washington's going to have enough to do it. That's what it all comes down to, and uh, I appreciate a good a, a good Prince theme nickname, uh, but I yeah, need to, right. I need to see a little more out of Washington. It's just you know, but it really is. We haven't seen them play anybody good. This is somebody good. Let's see what Browning and company can do. Uh, and they were so they were one of those teams like Tennessee and Michigan, and uh, coming into the season where everybody was like, all right, here we go. It's the '90s again. You know that this is another program that's had some down years. They're going to get back, and uh, this is the first first real test to see, uh, a lot like Michigan's against Wisconsin, this is the first test to see if the 90s are back. Uh, yeah, uh, that's a good way to put it. Uh, I want to talk about Stanford really quickly, Sully. Uh, mm-hmm. David Shaw in the UCLA game grinded Oof. out a win, but it was it was definitely one of the most conservative coaching efforts I can remember. Where, why do you put there? Yeah, I'm wondering if it's this game or somewhere even down the road. Do you think that could come back to bite him? Oh, it certainly can. Does he have to open up the purse string, so to speak, against Washington? No, I, I think you. I think you need to. Um, UCLA was a great team, um, and he got out by the skin of his teeth. <laughs> Punting late there was was wasn't a great decision, especially how UCLA's moving the ball. Um, and I don't, I don't think he. If you do that against a Washington team, from what I've seen so far, 
Uh, I think it's going to bite him, and it's going to bite him sometime this year if he keeps doing it, and uh, which is kind of crazy um, considering how everybody loves David Shaw. Um, but, yeah, I, I, think it, I think it certainly can bite him, and I think it will. Yeah, you wonder if, if, they're able, if Washington's able to key on McCaffrey, kind of like UCLA <laughs> did. Can Stanford right. come back late in the game against Washington? And there's a lot of intrigue. I'm really excited about this game, and I think this might end up being the game of the week when all is said and done. From I agree. Point. I'm yeah, leaning on Stanford right now. That's who I'm going to okay. go with, though. I'll take them okay. on the road. But, I like Washington at home. Uh, I think the I think they're for real. I'm buying the end of the dogs. Uh, this this fan base hasn't seen a top ten matchup in over a decade at at home. They're going to be absolutely rocking. Uh, and that that place is a fun place to watch a game. So I'm I'm excited for this one. Uh, as am I. Now, Sully here on the Money Mitch Effect. Let's get to your game, Tennessee. Yeah. In Athens, uh, you guys are going to be on a nice little string of CBS games, by the way. Right. Four straight. Four straight. Yeah. Wow. It's been a while. <laughs> it's been a while, but uh, you got it. You got you got this brutal stretch against uh, some four straight ranked opponents. Uh, it's, it's going to be on national television with with this, with this one. Um, Nick Chubb might not even play, which is good for the Vols. But um, yeah, he's a little banged up. But I think the key comes down to, as always, is the trenches. Uh, can Tennessee get pressure uh, on the freshman quarterback? And, and if and if Jacob Eason is under pressure, like he showed last week, it's not going to it's not going to pay off dividends for the dogs. Um, and and I think Derek Barnett's going to have stringing together. Another great game, um, and can can Dobbs string together a game as well? Um, yeah, like you said, he's he's rocky, uh, and if he could if he could have the game like he did in the second half, there's no chance for Georgia. First, let's uh, let's talk about how Georgia last week put together one of the most miserable performances <laughs> of the 16 college football season. Uh, full, full disclosure, though, I I picked Ole Miss mostly mm-hmm. because. They were playing for their season. They couldn't go yeah. one and three at home. It was a must win. But even I didn't expect that. And right. that was, I'd say, complete domination. The, the one the one thing I'll say is I, Eason didn't look great, but he had a couple of receivers drop surefire passes, and in one case a touchdown, that you right. never know what could happen there. But they were going to lose that game with how they played. I, yeah. I, for Tennessee fans, for one like yourself, I'd be a little worried that they've hit rock bottom and now they're feeling like it's their season in a maybe must-win game for that. Oh, I completely agree. It's definitely uh, it's a trap game. I think Butch will have these guys ready. But if if we overlook Georgia and start looking ahead to that A&M game on the road, we're going to get bit. I don't think we possibly can. It's a ginormous rivalry game. Uh, they We started out slow against them last year and had the fortune to come back 21 points down. Uh, can't do that again. Cannot start slow in a rivalry game again. I'll pull my hair out. I'll be bald by the end of the season. <laughs> but oh, happens. Yeah. No, but uh, I, but yeah, yeah. I, I just I just don't I I just don't see Georgia Georgia coming out in this game swinging. Um yeah, they're going to be fighting for their lives a little bit, but uh I just can't see it. I mean, they they almost lost to Cynical State. They just got blown out by Ole Miss. I I I I think this Georgia team is very talented. Uh, Kirby Smart's going to have these guys rolling here in a couple of years, but just not, just not yet. Right, I, I'm with you. I like Tennessee in this game, though. I will, I'll use the, the history lesson of if Chubb doesn't play, you know, Chubb's debut came, his debut on the scene came when Gurley went down, mm-hmm. and everybody 
everybody wrote Georgia off, and then this Nick Chubb guy came out and set the world on fire. But I'm with right. you. I think Tennessee is a more consistent team. Uh, the last thing the Vols want to do, though, and should do, is give Georgia confidence early. No, nope. you know, nope. they're a completely different team. But if they have confidence early, we've seen that this season. But I'm going to go mm-hmm. with the Volunteers. Although I, with Georgia and Easton, I, Easton, I do like the fact that they're recruiting quarterbacks now that all look like Matt Stafford. So I think that's a nice <laughs> that's a nice formula. It's uh, a nice formula for Georgia. Just recruit the best quarterback you've ever had or, or clone yeah. of him. All right, Sully, before I let you go, uh, are there any other games that we didn't go across that you're looking at maybe as potential upsets, uh, some trap games, or, or teams that you think could maybe make a statement with a big win this week? Uh, yeah, there's a few. Uh, there's definitely a few. I don't know if you could call it an upset, but I think uh, Texas on the road at OSU, I, I'm going to watch that game. There's going to be a lot of points. Classic right. baseball matchup. Yeah. Um, it'll be a 45-40 game. Um, and I, I think Oklahoma State can pull it out. Um, certainly, uh, they they. <laughs> but if you like offense, that's that's definitely that's definitely one to watch. Um, Texas has put up a lot of points against Cal and uh, Notre Dame, um, and of course OSU is OSU. Gundy's Gundy's uh, feeling the heat. He's going to try to try to throw for his job here. Um, but that, that's definitely one I'm watching. Another one early game. Um, Syracuse, Dino Babers looking for a, a pro game starting win. Um, and Notre Dame just limping. Oh, wow. oh my gosh. Like, Does Brian Kelly, Kelly coach on Monday if he loses that game? I, I, I highly doubt it. I highly doubt it. You know, I, I still think Notre Dame takes it, but I think it's closer than the experts would think, especially originally coming into the season. Um, it, it's, it's, uh, it, it's, it's in MetLife Stadium, actually. Should be a fun okay. atmosphere since there's a whole lot of Notre Dame fans in New York. Um, but yeah, yeah, that, that, that's 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 another one I'm looking at. I had uh, a couple I want to get your thoughts on um, briefly. Miami 14 mm-hmm. in the country against Georgia Tech in in Atlanta. Hmm. Is yeah, Miami especially that- uh, it's the first it's Miami's first game against the Power Five too, I do believe. So yeah, that's that's a head scratcher. That was one, uh, TCU, Oklahoma, and I want to bring this up because mm-hmm. it's, it's at TCU. Oklahoma could be one and three after this week. You know, they all uh, road, I but I, I don't know. That would be, that would be a staggering loss of Oklahoma. A staggering loss. I think, uh, I picked them. I hate to do this because I picked them against Ohio state and they burnt me in that one. So, uh, but I'm going to go with OU on that one. That, that's a team. It's a very, very talented team with their backs against the wall. Uh, on the road, uh, they they have to win this one, or they just you know they're done. None of your none of your expectations coming into the season are going to be met, and uh, the Big Twelve is a dumpster fire. So um, they definitely, uh, other than Baylor, of course, but um, they they definitely uh, they definitely need to win this one. And I think they will. So you're definitely riding with OU to the. Uh, I'm riding with OU too. Yeah, last no. last time. Don't let okay. me down too hard there. <laughs> uh, that, was how I was, that was how I was with USC last week against Utah, and they burned me in the fourth quarter. Right. Uh, uh, speaking of SC, though, they got an interesting matchup uh, this weekend against ASU. I'm actually going to that game. Super stoked. Uh, I haven't yeah. been to the Coliseum before, so that'll be that'll be a fun experience. And um, yeah, ASU zero defense, but they put up 90 points a game. Uh, against that USC team, that is absolutely limping. Um, are they going to be able to rise up? Sleepy night game, Pac-12 after dark. I think a lot of wacky stuff's going to happen in that game. I'm, I'm, I have no idea where to go. I picked ASU because I've, I've picked against them so far this season that keep proving me wrong. 
So uh, <laughs> I think Sparky Sparky's going to get it done. Right. And the last game that I wanted to discuss, uh, a very interesting one in my opinion, is Florida State UNC. Mm-hmm. That's the game on ESPN, Florida State at home against a North Carolina team that at three and one, uh, the same record as Florida State. I think North Carolina has a chance here. I, I might be wrong, but they're getting uh, you know they're double digit underdogs, and I don't think they're that bad of a team. And Florida State's proven that they can play as bad a first half as anyone. So I think that's an intriguing matchup as well. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Mitch Trubisky's a heck of a quarterback. Uh, he's, he's, I think he's thrown 10 TDs and zero interceptions so far this season, um, which is pretty dang impressive stat line. But uh, they're, they're, the problem with North Carolina is their defense isn't exactly the best at this point, uh, especially the run game, uh, uh, run game defense. And that's not something you want to see against a hungry Dalvin Cook, who is yet to have that breakout game against a, a bigger opponent. So uh, I think Dalvin Cook's going to have uh, plenty of yardage and, and a few touchdowns and be able to pull away from him. That's definitely an interesting matchup uh, as far as the ACC goes, as well as that Louisville-Clemson game. There's a lot of good football again, and uh, the season just keeps on grinding. It's, there's no stopping now. I think uh, I love it. It's ramp up. I know you love it. I love it as well. And uh, it's the best time of year for college football, I think, is right about now. We're starting to see trends, and the, and the games are mattering more and more. So right, right. It's October. It's it's uh, where 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 your bread is buttered. Uh, conference conference games are are well underway, and it's it's there's a lot of robbery games going on, and I'm I'm just ready to to kick the ball off on Friday night instead of Saturday this round. There we go. All right, Sean Sullivan, Sully as he's known here. Thanks for joining us here on the Money Mitch Effect, and. Uh, yeah, we'll be uh, we'll be talking as the season progresses. I'm sure of it. No doubt about it, man. Enjoy the games. Thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure to talk to Sully, uh, especially after his balls win. You know, he's got that extra pep in his step. Uh, you know, he's upbeat. You know, he's ready to go and uh, and really bring his A game on college football. So thanks again to Sean Sullivan for coming on the show. Next up, Matt Gothard. This is the second part of the college football show. We're going to break down the point spreads in a lot of the big games this weekend. Some some interesting ones to consider if you're into that sort of thing. Now, you don't have to be. You could be a student of the game. You could just be intrigued by who is named the favorite. Or you could want to uh, throw down a little action. We will provide you with a handbook for that. It's Matt Gothard on the Money Mitch Effect, part two of a college football show. All right, so now we're joined by Matt Gothard on the line. Matt, thanks for coming on the show. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, man. I really appreciate it. So as opposed to part one of the show, which was uh, a discussion with uh, Sean Sullivan about the ins and outs of what's actually going on 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 the field this Saturday uh, for college football, I brought Matt on the show to talk about the uh, betting lines and the point spreads going into this week's game. Uh, both of us follow that uh, pretty pretty seriously, uh, but Matt, this week might be one of the uh, more interesting weeks in terms of point spreads that college football has seen. A lot of top 25 teams playing each other, and some interesting games Absolutely. for the other as well. So I'm I'm pretty excited about this week. Me too. Last week was rough for me with Spartans going down by so much, so I'm ready to get a clean slate going. Well, let's talk briefly about last week because I think. From a 
from a betting side, we saw what might have been the most ridiculously amazing uh, cover in the history of college football, Stanford-UCLA. Uh, for people that don't know exactly what the line in that game was, Stanford was a three to three and a half point favorite, losing pretty much all game, all second half. They score a late touchdown to take a to take a lead by three points with ten seconds with you know thirty seconds left. UCLA is gearing up for the hail mary, and then it's a sack fumble return for a touchdown. I I, I don't know if there's an equivalent, Matt, to uh, you know a gambling equivalent to the miracle on ice or uh, you know something of that nature, but that was one of the biggest uh, miracles I've ever seen. Absolutely. You know, it really reminded me of another game uh, a couple of years back when Northwestern hosted Ohio State, and they had the sack in the end zone at the end that, that went into a, turned into a touchdown. And I know a couple of people that were on the right side of that that will never forget that game. But that, that's well, the closest I remember anything like that Stanford. And I, I, had, I had read about people as well, Matt, that had Arizona State, Cal. They had Cal minus three as well in a parlay with the uh, Pac-12 parlay. And Cal gets it within, gets it to push basically at three. And 99 times out of 100 when an onside kick happens, it, it's going to do everything except result in a touchdown on that play, which is what happened as Arizona State just ran it back. <laughs> so it was, uh, it was quite the remarkable week for betting, but as, for, for the uh, point spreads as well. But as we go into this week, now there's a lot riding on a lot of these matchups on the field which makes it, I think, harder for Vegas and, and the uh, and the people that just decide these lines to figure out exactly what the spread should be. I look no further than the biggest game of the week, Clemson and Louisville. Now, yep. we look at this game, Matt, and it started out with Clemson being a favorite by about two points. That line has shifted all the way to Louisville being a favorite. They opened the – they. Uh, the lines have been moving a lot. Right now I'm seeing anywhere between two and three points. But looking at this, I think it's very hard to pick anything spread-wise. If you're going on this game, you've got to be thinking money line, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. I think that the points in this are just a distraction. You know, it can't be that much of a difference just with two points. And, and to, Clemson has got, gotten on the right side of this a couple times when they're home. One time they were hosting Georgia, and it was – uh, plus three at home, and that's just a lot of points to give somebody in a in a close game like this. I mean, I'm looking at when I look at this game, you know, I really think it comes down to the two quarterbacks, Lamar Jackson and Deshaun Watson. And I really the thing I see between those two is just you know Deshaun Watson has been in a position where he can handle pressure uh, in the you know in the playoffs. We saw him play Alabama, and even even though they were down, he he drives down to score and cover in that game. And uh, yeah. I just don't know if Lamar Jackson has seen that kind of pressure. They're going on the road. This is really their first big road test. I mean, they had Florida State at home, so I really, if I had to pick on this, I'd, I'd say Clemson plus two, um, and and kind of bank on the Clemson atmosphere there. Right. You know, we talked about this uh, just now, me and uh, Sully, and the biggest thing about this, we were all leaning Clemson as well, is that it is the night game. Clemson's been there before. Louisville hasn't really faced any adversity all season. But, and I preface it with a big but here, Lamar Jackson is almost like a betting stay away at this point. Like, how could you trust yep. that Clemson's going to keep him down? So I feel I feel reasonably confident that Clemson's going to have a good showing and, and should win this game. But, again, I'm terrified. Betting against Lamar Jackson or, or picking against him just seems like a terrible decision. But, hey, that, that's why this 
be a game to just stay away, just enjoy as a fan. Yeah, just enjoy it as a football fan and save yourself some fingernails. That's that's exactly how I was looking at it. Now, uh, the other big game that I wanted to talk about, uh, uh, a Big Ten game, was Wisconsin-Michigan. Wisconsin, after beating your Spartans last week, it suddenly has two wins over the top ten, vaulted themselves into the top ten, uh, and looks like they could be for real. But the schedule doesn't get any easier. They go to the big house to play Michigan. The line opened at nine points, Michigan. It has since jumped to ten and a half. A couple things first, Matt. For Michigan, are we really sure that they're this good? I know I know they returned a lot of talent. Harbaugh has done great things. But ten and a half point favorite, and they haven't really played anyone this year. Yeah, I think you and me were watching the Colorado game together a little bit. And yeah, uh, Colorado up to a 14-point lead, you know, and I just don't know if – I mean, in that game, you're playing Colorado at home, and, and so you have a little bit more management on the game. But Wisconsin, they suffocate the clock. So if they get ahead like they did against Louisville – or not Louisville, sorry, LSU or like Michigan State, it's so hard to come back because they're such a run-heavy team. I mean, secretly, I really want Michigan to lose. That's, that is – my own bias there, but I don't, Michigan hasn't played anybody yet. You know, I, we haven't seen them play a tough opponent. And so it's hard to, it's hard to gauge them. Whereas LSU or not LSU, but uh, Wisconsin beat LSU, beat Michigan state. And now they're two games away from arguably being the number one team in the country. So yeah, I, I'd say you got to take Wisconsin plus 10. I mean, that's a lot, but that's my own opinion, I guess. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. I, I don't, a lot of times you think you look at it as Vegas, and the odds makers being a little disrespectful to a team. And you'd think Wisconsin fits that formula, having just knocked off Michigan State, already beating LSU, and and still being this far of an underdog. But it is Michigan, it's in the big house, and that's tough to bounce back. You just had Michigan State. I know they, they beat them pretty good, but to have to go again on the road and play Michigan now. Um, I'm with yep. you in the sense that I, I, I like Wisconsin plus 10.5, but I don't like them winning this game, if that makes sense. I think they're going to – this has – and we can get into lingo as well, but this has backdoor cover written all over it in my That's opinion. That's what I was just going to say. Backdoor all day. You know, I, I don't think I touched the Wisconsin money line, but I I don't think I touched minus 10 Michigan. So. Oh, that would be – it would be tough each way. You know, the thing with Michigan, you know, the hardball factor, if, if the quarterback play continues to improve, this team is very dangerous. But this is really their first true test, so I think – that's kind of one to, to look out for, but a very intriguing game, point spread included. Let's go out west here on the money. Yeah, let's go out west on the money mission effect with Matt Gothard, Stanford, and Washington. Pac-12 North, probably this is the Pac-12 North title game, but uh, a lot riding on this game for both of these teams' national title aspirations. Washington opened the opened the game, a, opened the betting line a three-point favorite. It's about three and a half now. Uh, 44 and a half over under of the total points. It's an interesting one, Matt. I don't know that we know a lot about Washington and Stanford's a solid team that's not known for really running the score up uh, or scoring a lot of points at all. What says you on this uh, Pac-12 after dark matchup? You know, this one I was surprised. I uh, I watched Washington a little bit last year, last week against Arizona and was not uh, was not impressed. But at the same time. I think that with the Pac-12, it's just hard to get a real grasp on these teams. Stanford reminds me a lot of Clemson this year, where they did a great postseason last year and have kind of come off a little bit flat uh, with such a star, you know, with uh, with McCaffrey. But 
when I'm looking at this, I think I, I got to pick Stanford plus three and a half because I went to the Rose Bowl game last year, saw what they did to the Hawkeyes. Not that that matters in this game, but, you know, Stanford is averaging 200-plus rushing yards per game, and Washington's giving up 145. It's, it's hard to see those numbers and not think that McCaffrey's going to get his, his yards. And if, I think if he gets his yards, it's really tough for Washington to stay in this one. Right, I I definitely agree with you on the McCaffrey point. If he goes, if he gets his yards and, and Washington is forced to match what he's doing, it's going to be tough. But the one thing I'll say with Stanford, and I think they proved it again last week, they're a terrible team to uh, to go with if they're favored because for whatever reason, David Shaw just does not want to unleash the offense. He's a very conservative head coach, and it almost cost them last year, last week with some of the decisions to not go for it on fourth down and to run the ball all game. But I don't know. There's something about this team on the road as an underdog. I like them going into Washington and getting the win. Um, but the biggest thing to me that I want to get your opinion on, Matt, is the over-under of this game, 44.5 points. I thought it was interesting because Stanford is this conservative team uh, coached by David Shaw. Uh, Washington's offense has been their key. They've been going uh, going pretty well. But that's a, that's a right in the middle line. And I, I just have to think that if you think Stanford wins, it might be under. And if Washington wins, they're going to soar over that 44.5 point total. Right. I think I think with that, I, I would go under. You know, I'd have to. And obviously, like you just said, I'd pick Stanford. So that goes with what I'm saying. But it seems like with, when you have such a – a run, you know, a team that likes to run the ball so much, you know, picking the under always seems to be a uh, a safe bet. But, you know, it seems like this year there's no such thing as a safe bet. So, I know, no. but I, yeah, I think, yeah, I, I'm, I mean, we're in agreement here. I think if Stanford wins, that's got to be under. I think they control tempo and just milk that clock with the lead. But Washington's going to be trying to throw. That's certainly a game uh, to keep an eye on. Uh, I want to talk about uh, a different, a, something different here on the Money Mitch Effect with Matt Gothard. Uh, it's top teams, Matt, that have a lot of points to cover. Uh, we're seeing that tonight. Now, Houston, UConn, uh, that game is just, we're, we're recording this on a Thursday night. Houston, UConn is about, is just kicked off. Houston's a 28 point favorite in that game, number six team in the country. Uh, and I wonder about them, them in particular covering this spread, but also the larger thing. We saw Alabama do it against Kent State. How hard is it on? Uh, how hard is it going to be for Houston and some of these teams to cover spreads? I know they're going to probably win the game, but that is a lot of points when you look at it. Yeah, I mean, watching this Houston team all year, I've been impressed so far. They've uh, they really took care of Oklahoma. They've been very consistent. However. I just get the feeling that they're going to drop a game that they shouldn't win or that they shouldn't lose. And and I don't know what game that's going to be. That might probably not be tonight. However, they're probably going to get close a couple times too. And I, I watched UConn last week. I, don't, I think 28 points is a lot to take away from, from any team, let alone a team that's, you know, playing on the road. So it is on the road, correct? No, it's, a, it's at Houston, but it's interesting because you okay. have – All right, all right. Last year, so – I still think I'd be wary of, of Houston. Just, I mean, they had the big win, but starting to take away four touchdowns from any team, I feel like is a that that is a reach. What's interesting too is, uh, and, and where this can be very dangerous and cruel at times, they were uh, I want to say like 17 point favorites against Cincinnati a couple weeks ago on a Thursday night game, and that was a seven point game. They were losing early, uh, late third, early fourth, and uh, two defensive touchdowns late, and they win by 21. So <laughs> I think right. that's where. 
like it can be a very cruel game. But uh, the other the other theoretical thing or that I wanted to discuss is the team that we're not sure how good they are. They're 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 maybe getting the uh, the high point spread on uh, reputation. And I wanted to go over a couple lines with you, and, and we can debate whether or not that's the case. Syracuse hosts Notre okay. Dame. Notre Dame one and three. 11-point favorites at Syracuse. I think I take Notre Dame on that one. I, You know, if that's if that's what you're asking. I think yeah. – I, I don't believe after watching Syracuse this year, and we both have Ron as our buddy, so it's kind of hard not to watch Syracuse. They are very underwhelming, and I think that Notre Dame is going to look to make a statement after that Duke loss. Um, I could be wrong, but I just don't see – I see them winning by 21. Yeah, I think this is a unique case because they have to win this game or coaches are probably going to get fired. Um, yep. Syracuse, it's at home. That Dino Babers wants to have a, a, a signature win, but Notre Dame cannot lose this game. And it's one of the reasons why I felt pretty comfortable rolling with Ole Miss last week and, and even Auburn because I felt like those were games at home that you need to have when you have multiple losses. Uh, but I'll be with you there. Uh, I just think... It's dangerous to give Notre Dame that the total points they have uh, eleven points against anyone based on how poor that defense is looked. That's my only big concern there. Yep, yep. I the only thing I'd say is I we saw Syracuse jump out to a fourteen point lead and easily get blown out in the second half. So it's just going to be an endurance thing, I think. And if they can, if Syracuse finds the way to get you know hyped up for the game, maybe it's a, they'll be in it for the long haul. But you just you get the feeling that. Kelly's going to be trying to save himself. But you know, another interesting game, Matt, I have on my upset watch is, an ace, is uh, Miami, Florida, Georgia Tech. Miami on the road, yep. number four in the country. Same record as Georgia Tech. or uh, They are undefeated, but Georgia Tech has one loss. They played Clemson pretty tough. Seven and a half point favorites on the road, Miami. That's just a lot of points to take away from you on the road. And, and Georgia Tech's a solid team. You know, they, they didn't look that good last week. But I think that that's, you can't just base it off of one week. And being at home, Georgia Tech has, you know, usually kept games pretty close. I would I would lean towards Georgia Tech. However, Miami's looked pretty consistently good this year, so I could see it. I could really see it going either way. But if I was gun to my head, I'd pick Georgia Tech. Yeah, I I like Georgia Tech with this spread. I lean towards the money line as well. Uh, I don't know. I, I I think this is a reputation thing. I know Miami looked good against Appalachian State, but I mean, come on. We're hitting a point where it's you know do or die, and so it's, it's the best part of the season in my mind. Yeah, and, it, and to your point, it makes a team like Georgia Tech that much more dangerous than Miami, a team that yep. has lost, can't lose again to have any shot of anything serious, and that you know, and that'll just uh, we'll, we'll save that segue for the game after the one I want to bring up. But the last one in the ACC, Florida State, North Carolina, Matt, Florida State, eleven point favorites. Now these teams have the same record. North Carolina only losses to Georgia, Florida State, getting uh, getting spanked by Louisville. Eleven point favorites at home for Florida State. That that's uh, intriguing to me. Yeah, I think I think what's uh, important to keep in mind is Lamar Jackson. You know, like he he took care of Florida State, so that's not necessarily something I hold against them as a team. Now, when you look at the way that North Carolina handled Pitt last week in a game where they probably should have lost, it's hard to compare the schedule, you know, their records um, as even. I, I definitely would say Florida State here. I think they're looking to make a, make a pretty big statement here. 
especially at home against an ACC team. I'd say I'd, I don't, I would almost take Florida State minus 13. Wow. Uh, I'm, I'm leaning North Carolina to, to, for the spread, not the money line, obviously. Just because Florida State's defense, that's been the one constant, is they've missed. You know, they've given up points in yardage, uh, even in some of the games they've won handily, Ole Miss in that first half. I think Trubisky and that North Carolina offense can throw on them, but I, yeah, I think too much Florida State down the road, and that's one where you know, if you're on either side of that coin, you know, Matt, that if you're if you're taking the points, you're worried about the backdoor cover, but uh, you know if you're if you're getting there, vice versa, I should say. But if you're on the other side of it, you're just waiting for a team to just run away with it at the end in garbage time. So that's a that's a garbage time stay away right there. Yep, I agree. I totally agree. Now, what I meant about the team facing uh, their back to the wall on a must-win, that's the SEC game of the week, I think, Georgia and Tennessee. And, Matt, you know that a team after a loss can be very dangerous. Georgia's at home. They're getting three-and-a-half points. Tennessee, over that after that dramatic win over Florida, still undefeated. Is there trap potential here? Can Georgia pull off the upset? I think that when Appalachian State is a fumble away from beating you at home, Every game is a trap game possibility, and especially when you're on the road against a ranked team. And, you know, I was talking to Sully today, actually, at work, and I was telling him, you know, this Georgia team, you got to be, you got to watch out because they aren't going to go away just quiet. I mean, they didn't look great in their loss, but they're still Georgia. They're still a top SEC team, maybe not the cream of the crop, but there are a lot of questions about this Tennessee team that, frankly, I don't think have been answered yet. I mean, last week was a start. But the early, the first part of that game looked rough, and it's tough to know how that would be handled, you know, on the road in Georgia. Yeah, Georgia at home. I know Chubb's status is huge on this game, and man, I'll be honest. I'm interested to see if Chubb doesn't play. Obviously, I want him to play, but what that line looks like if they rule him out a day before, or, you know, how that how that right. uh, factors into it. But you know, Georgia got spanked by an Ole Miss team that needed to win, and we talked about this earlier. It was a blowout. It was a beatdown, but Georgia made a lot of mistakes early that I don't expect them to continue to make. Now, they would have lost that game regardless, but the score got away because of how poor they came out. And Tennessee's consistency has been an issue. I like Tennessee in this game, but this would not be what I call stone-cold lock <laughs> by any means. I have a question for you. If uh, Chubb doesn't play, what do you predict the line jumps to? I'd say it's got to be at least six. I would see two. Yeah, that's two. what I was thinking. How much he means to their offense. I just don't, I don't know. I mean, that's a tough one. The one thing that would keep that in uh, consideration would be it's in Georgia, it's at home. They were on the road last week, but yeah, I, I think six points. And that's when you get in the, into the play of you can take a team to cover that you realistically don't think will win. But hey, who knows? Yep. So with Matt Gothard on the Money Mr. Effect, before we wrap this up, I want to flip this on you. Are there any games, Matt, that you're looking at that you think might be some some good games to kind of look at point line wise yeah absolutely so one game that really jumps out to me and i'm actually a big iowa hawkeye fan so i follow that team probably second most out of all the teams and i've been watching them recently and they just had their best wide receiver vandenberg go down with probably a season ending ankle injury uh right now it's plus northwestern plus 13 and a half on the road at iowa but northwestern has notoriously held these games close and, and ruined Iowa seasons. And I would, there's no way that I would touch Iowa minus 13 and a half right now, especially after that loss 
especially after being close against Rutgers. And even in, you know, even at home, 14 is so much to take away from a team led by Kirk Ferentz, who is pretty conservative. It's one of the most conservative coaches I know. Um, so that's one, that's one that really jumped out as a, you know, potential, uh, potential upset pick with Northwestern plus 13 and a half. No, I agree. I like that as well. Uh, I do have a question for you. Is is this a case of something where it's a team that you look at the line and say, no matter who they're playing, they shouldn't be favored by 13 points or 14 points or 15? Because I, I, I noticed that a lot with certain games that look enticing, that it's just a case of a team that I would never favor them against anyone practically by that much. I mean, I don't think I'd ever take Iowa minus 10 plus. I think that's just ridiculous. And you know, I think that goes with a lot of Big Ten teams, Michigan and Ohio State. Yeah, I, I thought the same thing about LSU last week, um, or I should say a couple weeks ago. Um, they're a typical team with without the passing game that, you know, or a Big Ten team that doesn't really light the scoreboard up that you wouldn't really be, you know, susceptible to take them with that high of a point spread. What other games are on your radar for this week? Yeah, one last one I think that really sticks out to me is BYU, uh, minus three and a half or minus four. It was moving a little bit today when I was looking uh, at home against Toledo. And oh, okay. BYU another one of those teams that is good enough. They need a win. And they've lost their three games by seven points total. And that was a loss to Utah, UCLA, and West Virginia. I mean, seven points, man. I, I They are... They are they are looking probably for a win here, and they're probably looking to run the score up a little bit for a comfortable win. I I really think that that one is the one I'm the most confident about. I'm I'm always a sucker for uh, the action, but BYU's played a lot of good teams. They've lost, as you said, close, and I don't think Toledo is much of a contender this year uh, within their own conference. So that right. is a good thing there. Um, it's interesting, you know, BYU can they get back to the fact? Can they get back to to winning games they should. It's tough after a couple losses, even if they're not games you should have won, to get back into the mix of winning. So I think that's an interesting one. The game that I was going to bring up to you that's on my radar, and I don't know what to do with this, so I, I kind of need to seek your opinion on it, is Oklahoma State-Texas. Oklahoma State three-point yep. favorite against Texas. And you could look at both these teams and think, I, I don't feel confident in them. Texas, the win at Notre Dame looks worse and worse by the second. And Oklahoma State coming off uh, a loss to Baylor where their defense couldn't do anything. That is that is a tough one. It's the battle of the orange mediocre teams. And uh, it's like picking a, an NFL team from Ohio. But I, uh, I, I think okay. when you look down into this game, I would really – I would lean toward Texas because I think they just have more to play for this year. That Central Michigan loss is just such a deflating loss. And I really think that, that when you look at Texas, that they're a team that still has the juice in them this year. And I, I, look, for, I look to them to take this one. <laughs> I think that's um, a fair takeaway to say. I, Texas needs to win this game, I think, um, to, to keep the narrative going that they're a real team. I mean, we're, we're starting to see that one win might not look as good week to week. Uh, Oklahoma State, they're going to pass the ball. They're going to have success. But... Can they defensively stop that running game of Texas? I just don't see it happening. And on the road, I like Texas. There's three quick games I wanted to get to you before we wrap this up. The first one, 
Now, every every week there's one game where I look at the line and go, whoa, you know, Vegas obviously knows something we don't know. USC, 10-point favorites over Arizona State. And I just want to preface that with the fact that USC is 1-3 right now, but 10-point favorites. Pretty, pretty impressive oh. there. I don't know that they cover, but ah, that's an interesting line to me. Yeah, I'm actually going to that game. I'm uh, My friend Matt is actually an ASCU alumni, so we got tickets. We're going to go. So maybe that's going to lead a little bit of bias in my, my opinion right now. But, you know, if Arizona State can find the end zone early, minus 10 for USC is a death trap because you're starting to look at minus 17. And this is a, this is a team with one win, you know, and they're, they're a team that doesn't do well when they get down. And, I mean, it's at home, but I, from what I've heard, it's not necessarily, like, the, the most crazy environment in the world. So, I kind of, you know, this is going to be a offensive battle, obviously. But Arizona State's 4-0. And I think take 10 points away from a 4-0 team, even on the road against a team that only has one win. I mean, you know, USC, you got to give them credit. They've, played some, they've already played some tough games, but... I, I would go with Arizona State, but again, like I said, I have a little bit of bias because I'm already planning on going to that game and probably cheering <laughs> on the Sun Devils. No, I, I hear what you're saying. It, it makes perfect sense, but this gives me a flashback to last year, which might be the craziest line I've ever looked at. When USC was unranked at home, playing Utah, who was top five undefeated, number three, I think, in the country, and they were a six-point favorite. There, there's something not right about this. I would run away screaming from this line. I, there, I, I just, I'm not going to say there's fixing it or anything involved, but this is a team in USC that's at their rock bottom. And there's a state team that we frankly don't know much about. So while 10 points yeah. is a lot, it, after last year, this would not surprise me if they covered and won this game. Well, you brought up an interesting point there about possible fixing, and I just want to say I don't, I don't believe in that at all. I'm 100% convinced that Vegas is the only owner of a time machine and that they have one person that goes in the future and just tries, he has like 30 seconds to write down all the games and the ones that he misses are the ones that you can win on. So, <laughs> Yeah, they're probably the most accurate about college football than any other sport in all seriousness. I, I find that that's where they kind of do their most damage but yeah, I, I'm terrified of this game to be perfectly honest. A second last one, do we really think LSU, with the new coach, is going to beat Missouri by 14 points? We know Mizzou's bad. How Absolutely much? not. I just I don't even see them scoring 14 points. I mean, I I don't I haven't I remember the last time that I've seen LSU just light up the scoreboard, you know? I mean, that would mean that they were completely dominating that ball game and <laughs> I just don't, don't see that. I see I see a emotional hangover. I mean, you lost your, your like coach of the last how many years and LSU fans are kind of crazy. I, I definitely don't, I would never want to jump in that hole. You know, you got no four net as well. That's another one where you're not really sure what you're going to get on offense without him there kind of holding the fort down. I, I'm, that's a dangerous one. I don't know that I would want anything to do with that either because Missouri is pretty bad. That, that's the one constant. And that's one of the reasons why Georgia is not really getting uh getting a lot of recognition is because they, they needed a fourth down conversion to beat Missouri. But yeah, yeah, it's, it's a new coach. It's a new voice in the room. I get that, but man, this is one that would definitely scare me for sure. There's a lot of scary ones on the, uh, on the list for this week. So, but there's also, there are some good ones, but if you can stay away from, you know, that game and the U S 
game, I think that'd be that one and also the Louisville one might be smart to stay away from. Yeah, well, we mentioned Louisville's, uh, what Lamar Jackson can do and the factor that he can play in that one. Uh, the last game I want to discuss, just to kind of uh, draw us back all the way to what we were talking about um, earlier with a team facing adversity, TCU hosting Oklahoma. TCU ranked 21st with one loss to Arkansas. Oklahoma 1-2 and two on the season. Three-and-a-half-point favorites are Oklahoma in a game that they absolutely have to have. Do you think this is a fair line, or does Oklahoma cover this spread? You know, I, I think it's an interesting game because I think people are getting caught up in the Oklahoma storyline. This game is much more of a TCU must-win. This is a home game. You, you know, go 2-0 in the, in the conference, a big win in the conference. I think TCU has a lot more riding on this game than Oklahoma because, in my mind, Oklahoma's out of the picture. I mean, there's a picture for smaller bowls or whatever, but I don't see Oklahoma sneaking into the playoffs. I mean, I would take plus four and a half at home with probably a sellout crowd, a huge atmosphere. I mean, TCU takes their football seriously. I wouldn't want to touch Oklahoma now taking any points away from them just based on what I've seen so far this year. What, what are you thinking? I, you know, I, I, I'm leading TCU, but the only the only reservation I have is that Arkansas game. I know it was their loss, but the way they lost that game, being that it was at home, being that they coughed up a lead and couldn't get the job done in overtime, that's the other thing we didn't really bring up. Overtime just ruins these lines. <laughs> like, they absolutely yep. destroy any line within six points is a disaster if overtime's involved. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. No matter what your line is, it could be the point spread or the over-under. <laughs> Overtime is never good. Yeah, over-under might be the absolute worst thing ever for, for going into overtime. But I, I think TCU covers. Um, I like them in this game. But, yeah, Oklahoma is facing adversity. I, I wonder, though, because that defense has been getting lit up by some good offenses. TCU can uh, throw the ball. It could be a long night for Oklahoma. But, this is their last stand. We'll see what they can do. All right, real quick, Matt, before yep. I let you go, I want to uh, go over what the uh, current odds are now to win the college football championship game. And I'll just read I'll read you off a couple, and you can let me know if you think any of them are, are really intriguing uh, odds. Alabama, 7-2. to Second is Ohio State, 4-1. to Then it's Clemson and Louisville tied at 5-1. to That will obviously change this weekend. Fifth is Michigan ten to one. You have a tie between Houston and Washington each fifteen to one, and then it's Tennessee at twenty to one with Florida State, Stanford, and Texas A and M rounding it out at twenty five to one each. So there's some interesting odds there. I wow. think with Washington at fifteen to one is interesting to me, and Stanford all the way down as well as A and M at twenty five to one. Man, I, I just have to say that Stanford one sounds the best at twenty five, like for bang for your buck. You know, if you're looking at taking a risk, I mean, obviously, the I feel like the most surefire is picking Alabama. I feel like at, there's a clear line after that of like, you know, hidden this talent. But man, if you're gonna get to 25 to one, and and all you need is McCaffrey to take over, I I, I like that. I like that a lot. Um, I I do as well. I don't know if Ohio State four to one is a good enough payoff. No, it's uh that that's intriguing one. Clemson Louisville, you got to get in now, right? I mean, this is it. Like <laughs> it's gonna whoever wins that game, you gotta you gotta get in now. Hope you're right, and then you know you're in safe before the odds go down after this week. Right. Um. Yeah. Wisconsin I didn't mention forty to one. By the way. Oh, okay. I don't. You know. I think if Wisconsin wins the next two games, 
that's huge, but they still have a long road ahead of them. Like they're gonna have to beat the Hawks. They're gonna have to beat Nebraska. I mean, they are they have got to have the hardest schedule in college football year, undoubtedly. I mean, I I would love to hear a schedule that I know SEC people would probably kill me for, but. <laughs> But, you know, yeah, we'll I, see. I, I mean, I like that. If I was a Wisconsin fan, I'd be all in. Yeah, especially even after last week, still 40-1. to 1, But we'll see what happens when they play Michigan. It, it, if I'm looking at odds to go all the way a long shot that could pay off, a 25 to 1 is not bad. If they could beat Alabama, obviously a big if, but find a way into the playoff, even if they lose one other game, that's a possibility. They got a team that could maybe do some damage. I think that's an intriguing one at 25-1. to 1. I mean, looking at it still, other than Washington, you know, who kind of who really stands in Stanford's way? I don't know if there's anybody that really stands in their way. I mean, Notre Dame was really their biggest. I don't have a schedule right in front of me, but I feel like Notre Dame was their biggest, you know, opponent after Washington. And, I mean, who knows? I, again, I have to pull up the schedule, but I feel like they, they don't have that hard of a road to – becoming, un, you know, first of all, going undefeated and then making the playoffs. But, you know, right. who knows? Everything, everything changes. Like, it just takes one slip or one injury to change all this. But I say Stanford. I got. I think I'm thinking about all that. Stanford, for sure. Yeah, that's definitely a smart bet at 25-1. to 1. Well, Matt Gothard, thanks for uh, coming on the Money Mitch Effect. Appreciate talking the, uh, the lines with you. Something we'll have to do undoubtedly in the future. Absolutely. I had a blast. I hope, I hope to be on it again. Thanks, man. Special thanks to both of our uh, guests on today's show, Sean Sullivan and Matt Gothard, for coming by and offering uh, different, unique perspectives to how you want to take in this action as a college football fan this Saturday and every Saturday as well. That's going to do it for our show. Uh, the Money Mitch Effect is on SoundCloud. You can find them at my handle money slash Mitch, as well as my Twitter account, MoneyMitchM21. Remember, there'll be two episodes every week, one on Tuesday and a second one Thursday or Friday, depending on uh, the workload and the workload of my guests. Big shows planned coming up. Got a couple special interviews with some sports professionals, as well as the rest of NFL and college football talk to keep us going in that sport. And the NBA and NHL start up soon. You know we're going to be dropping some uh, big takes on that as well. Thanks for listening. I am Mitch Michaels. It's been a pleasure chatting sports with you. Have a good weekend. Enjoy the football.